you just clicked into the Get Your Money Right podcast, the podcast where not only do we want you to get your money, we want you to get your money right. This is episode number 22. We wrap it up. This is the last in our credit series where we talk about the myths, the lies, and frequent asked questions when it comes to your credit. We go through it all, and I think you're going to like it. And as always, let's get it. I said we're talking about money. What's the good news, people? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Get Your Money Right podcast, the podcast where we talk about money like it's everybody's business, because I truly believe to be good with money, we got to talk about money. And this show was designed to do just that. I am your host. The Money Misfit, Jamar DuPas, and this is episode number 22. 22 episodes in, and we're going to continue our talk on how to increase your credit score. This will be part three of our three-part series on how to increase your credit score. And today we're going to get into the myths and lies and frequent-asked questions that we get around credit. And I think you're going to like it. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome, welcome. I don't know how you found us, but I do appreciate you being here. This is a different type of money show. We're not going to hit you with the boring stuff. We're not going to talk about all the stock market picks and things you hear about on CNBC or anything like that. We talk about money as it applies to real life. We are young at heart. Many of us are young millennials, uh, and we believe that the traditional financial advice we've been given just won't fit our ambitious lifestyles. That is to travel and to have amazing marriages and grow amazing families and do it all on our own terms. So we talk about money in that light. And we also want to talk about money because we're sick and tired of not talking about money. We know now that money is such an important part of our lives. But for some reason, nobody ever talked to us about money. Our families didn't talk to us about money. It was forbidden. And today is still kind of taboo, and we want to break those chains so we can talk about money like it's everybody's business, and so we can be better at it. So that's what that is. This is what that is what this show is all about. And if you want to find more, head over to yourmoneyright.com. That's yourmoneyright.com, and consider becoming one of the misfits. Uh, In our misfit member area, we have a mini mini course uh, entitled. Uh, the roadmap to getting your money right. And if you've ever wondered about what you should be doing with your money or what you could be doing with your money today and tomorrow and maybe even a couple of years down the road, what makes sense to do first, what makes sense to do second, then that mini course covers that. And you'll also be able to get all the show bonuses and other things that we've uploaded and and guides and things that we put in there. So consider heading over to yourmoneyright.com, becoming one of the misfits. It's a free membership. Um, for you and it's going to be an ever-growing library so I encourage you to go do that and that's also how you get on our email list and stay on top of everything that we got going on and never miss a show again so today we're going to continue the credit talk right like I said this is third third part of the three-part series which will end up in a webinar which takes place this week Uh, this week on Thursday July 28th it's going to be 8 p.m. central Right when I put the kiddos to bed, we'll get started. And that will be the finale to this whole thing. 
And what we want to do, and if you're not familiar with what a webinar is, it's basically an online class. We'll be live. So if you have any questions, if you have any statements or anything like that, bring your questions to the webinar. There'll be a chat room. There'll be polls. There'll be a place to ask questions and all that good stuff. You can do it anonymously if you don't want to uh, put your business all out on the street and stuff like that. But basically, a webinar is an online class, and we're going to talk about credit. We're going to wrap all the things we've been talking about over the past couple of episodes. We're going to make it visual, and I really just want to give you the strategy and the insight and behind-the-scene look of our lives, me and my wife, and how we took our credit scores from down in the dumps to the high, uh, to the high 700s and low 800s and to where we don't necessarily even worry about our credit scores anymore because increasing your credit score can be a mindless thing where it's just built into the way you do money. And that's what we want to share with you all this week. So if you want to register for that webinar, head over to yourmoneyright.com forward slash score 750. That's yourmoneyright.com forward slash score 750. That's the number 750. And you can also, if you click on the album art on your podcast player, if you look at the description of the video, there'll be of the if, excuse me, if you look at the description of the podcast, you'll see a link uh, that'll take you straight there as well. You can get registered for that. And uh, don't forget to do that. And if you can't make it that night, don't worry about it. There will be a replay available uh, for a limited time uh, right after it's over. But you want to show up live so you can ask your questions, so we can interact, so we can have a conversation. And um, you'll also find out about our upcoming program on being married and getting your money right. Um, so that is what I'm really excited about. For those of you who've been listening listening to me for a while, you know I have a big vision of helping married couples get their money right. And so this will be the start of that. This will be the birth of that. And if anybody uh, would like to join up with us, would like to get started with us, and really just if you want to get your money right by the end of the year, that's the whole goal of the program. So uh, I'll talk more about that and what that entails but basically, we're going to talk about all the subjects of uh, we're going to talk about money, cash flow planning, budgeting, why budgeting sucks and why it don't work. Um, we're going to talk about credit. We're going to deep dive in, into credit even more so than we've done, if you could believe it or not, because this will be an implementation program. This won't just be an informational deal. This will be a thing where there'll be accountability. There'll be some coaching. There'll be uh, all types of tools that you'll need to help you. And you and your spouse get on the same page about money and have a clear uh, visual picture of where you're going to go with your money next. So I'm super excited about that. And I'll talk about that. And I won't be rambling so much because I will have my slides and everything on the webinar. But I'll be talking about that at the end of the webinar. So you can stay tuned for that as well. But again, that is a live webinar. There'll be plenty of time to ask questions. And so come on and join me. That's yourmoneyright.com forward slash score 750. So, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the day, let's go into the quote of the day. And today's quote is by my man, Tupac. And I love this quote because it was one of the first uh, lyrics that I, not the first lyrics, but one of those lyrics that hits you out of all the amazing lyrics that he's had. It's one of those things that hit me and kind of changed or spoke to me and changed my trajectory of how I handled life and made decisions. And this verse comes from uh, his hit song um, or album or track, what do you want to call it? All About You. And he states, wise decisions based on lives 
we live in. And when I heard that, I was like, wow. Wise decisions based on lies we live in. And it resonated with me because you know me, I'm that contrarian type of individual. I ask questions all the time. If things don't make sense to me, I'm that guy, right? And people say you should put your money in a 401k and hope for the best in 40 years. I just, you know, there, there's this alarm that goes off of me and says, well, that don't even, that don't even make sense. I just give you my money and I just hope that in 40 years, you're going to give me more money back and it's all going to be good and, you know, stuff like that. But this is one of those lyrics that really hit me because, you know, a lot of times we do make wise decisions, but we make these wise decisions based on lies, based on half truths. So although the decision itself is wise, it's not built on solid ground, if that makes sense. And it's not, and especially when it comes to money, because what you don't know about money can hurt you, right? And so that's why that is the quote of today, because it also resonates with what we're going to be talking about today. And those are the myths and lies and other uh, frequent asked questions we get about credit. So with that being said, let's jump right on into it. And the first myth and lie about credit is that the better score that you have, the better you are with money. And the truth is, that's a lie. Because you can have an amazing credit score, right? And you can have no money in the bank. You can have an amazing credit score and have a ton of debt. You can have an amazing credit score because you can manipulate your way to a good credit score. You can have an amazing credit score. But it could be based on your past, not necessarily your present. So, for example, you could have an amazing job, you have an amazing income, and you've been doing real good with, with your debt management and your credit card management and all that good stuff, but you never had any savings and you lose your job. You lose your income and you can't find any work. Well, that good credit score is not going to be able to do anything for you. Now, it can, I will admit, it can put a little food on your table for a little while longer. But what you're doing there is just digging yourself a deeper hole. So just because your credit score is good does not mean your financial health is good. It's just one indicator. It's it's one idea. And we talked about that in episode 20 about rethinking what credit is and how if you could think about it from a credibility standpoint, you don't necessarily have to worry about manipulating or gaming the system because using your your using integrity and credibility a lot of times your score by default will just increase. But of course, you know, I'm not a by default person. So that's why we like to talk about the insights and the things that get us moving even faster. Myth number two, that the FICO is the most accurate score. We talked about this before, but I want to bring it up for anybody who hadn't listened to the other episodes. A lot of times we hear that your FICO score is the true credit score. The truth about that is the FICO FICO is just a company and FICO, what they do, how they make they how they make their money is they create all these different algorithms for different industries to help them to determine how credit worthy their customers are. 
right? So there's a different FICO score for, let's say, uh, the auto industry. There's a different FICO score for the mortgage industry. There's a different FICO score for the insurance industry. There's so many different FICO scores out there. There is no one even FICO score. So a lot of people say, well, you got to get your FICO. Well, you can get your FICO from websites like uh, myfico.com. In fact, Discover actually has uh, a new website that you can get your FICO for free and you don't even need to have a FICO, uh, you don't even have to have a Discover card, and which is uh, fairly new. And you can sign up for that over at creditscorecard.com. That's creditscorecard.com. Now, remember, I'm not endorsing this. Um, I don't, and for those of you who this is your first time listening to, I don't work for the credit industry. I don't, I don't work for any financial industry, right? I'm just a regular cat. So uh, I, these are not endorsements. These are just tools that I have found Um, And I'm just sharing that with you. And all this stuff will be in the show notes, by the way. And they'll all be in a guide that I'm preparing for you all. For those of you who who registered for the webinar, there'll be a guide to get your credit right. And so I think you're going to really appreciate that. But you can do that. So you can get FICO scores from different places, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the FICO score that, let's say, your mortgage company uh, is going to use, right? So if you're going to buy a house and you go with ABC Bank, right? ABC Bank buys uh, these credit scores from FICO, or maybe they buy it from Advantage Score. They may even have their own way that they calculate credit scores, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the same score that you get if you went to a Wells Fargo. So the only way to really know your true credit, credit score is to ask the lender that you're dealing with what credit score was credit scoring algorithm that they use and that's the only really way to get the most accurate these things that we're talking about where you can get your score are this just tools to help you find out what the trends are and if you know that your lender uses let's say the fico 08 then you can get the fico 08 and then that way you know that's what your score is so that's all i'm gonna say about that um let's see this one is a popular one uh Dave Ramsey says this a lot, and Dave Ramsey, I'm a big fan of. Me and my wife, when we were first getting started, trying to get our money together, we were listening to Dave Ramsey's show all the time. We were getting in on the I'm Debt Free screams, and we did the cash envelopes, which I believe everybody should do for at least a year of their lives to kind of get that habit in. But he says that uh, the credit score is a I love debt score, and unfortunately, I cannot agree with him on that. Because here's the problem. There is a difference between credit and debt. Um, There's a difference between debt and liabilities. And because we've been miseducated on this, a lot of times we shy away from things that could help us in life, right? And, And it's these little nuances that we don't quite get that can lead us in the wrong direction. And just won't help us, right? So uh, I give you an example. Your credit score doesn't even calculate necessarily what your debt is. It may calculate your available credit versus your debt or versus the things that you have, but it doesn't necessarily, or excuse me, versus your liabilities, but it doesn't necessarily say, hey, this person loves debt, so let me get him a high credit score, right? In fact, if you love debt so much, your credit score would be in the dirt, Right. So I'll give you an example. Uh, the way we handle our credit every month, we sit down, and we go over our cash flow plan. So let's say, for instance, um, 
we spend a hundred dollars on groceries, right? And so we sit down, we have the money, we allocate a hundred dollars for groceries. And when we go to the grocery store, we put a hundred dollars on a credit card, right? And then when that credit card bill comes due, we pay it. Now, did we create debt? Do we create a liability, right? We didn't create a debt because why? We had the hundred dollars in our hands. We just used the credit card to facilitate the transaction. And then when the receipt comes or when like, just like you're at a restaurant, when the receipt comes, we close the transaction with the hundred dollars that we already have. Why is that not debt? Because debt is when your liabilities are greater than your assets. So I created liability, a hundred dollar bill uh, for my grocery. Now I had a hundred dollar asset in my hand. So I just closed out the transaction at the end. So I created no debt, but I did use a credit card. You see how that makes sense? And this will be a lot more visual and there's a lot more advanced things we'll go into with that. But it's these little nuances that if we don't understand it costs us. And we, we wonder why we don't win the game of money. Right. And I'm in this thing to win it, not necessarily trying not to lose. Now, I do a whole lot to try not to lose. You know me because I'm always talking about having cash in your hand to protect yourself and all that good stuff. Right. But I do like to play to win. So I'm going to have to say that is a downright lie. Going to the next one. Um, cut up your credit cards and close your accounts will help you increase your credit score. And that is wrong. Now, here's why that's wrong. Because if you close your accounts, you shrink your credit history. Now, this may affect some people more than others. If you only have a couple of credit account, credit, if you only have a couple of accounts, then closing one account will hurt you real bad, right? But if you have a bunch, it probably won't hurt you very much. And this is how you see these cats out there that do you know, the, um, the traveling for free on credit card points and stuff like that. They'll open up an account and they'll close an account, open up an account, close an account. And when I first heard about doing that, I was like, man, that's gotta be crazy because they gotta be hurting their credit scores. But because they have such a history and so many accounts, it doesn't really hurt them that much. So cutting up your credit cards and closing your accounts will not increase your credit score. It'll actually more than likely hurt your credit score. All right, let's see. Big myth right here you need to have or carry a balance and pay interest on your credit cards in order to increase your credit score. This is wrong. I just gave an, uh, an example of how we use our credit credit cards and we never carry a balance. Here's why. Because if you listen to the last episode, we talked about how 30% of your credit score is done by your utilization, how much you use based on how much credit you have available. Now, it doesn't mean that you need to carry money over and pay interest. You never want to pay any interest. That's why I tell people it doesn't matter what your, your uh, interest rate on in your credit card is because we don't pay interest anyway. Why? Because your first 30 days, it's interest-free, right? You have that grace period. So if you spend money today and the bill comes, you just pay it because you've already accounted for that money. And we will talk about that a whole lot more. And I'm going to show you exactly how we do that. But there's been this mistake out there that people believe that you need to carry over a balance to show that you've used something. Well, how the credit card companies and, and the revolving account companies, how they report what your balance is, they report it before the account is closed for that month. So let's say, for instance, I 
put a hundred dollars. Let's use a hundred dollars. I like round numbers on this credit card, right? And say on the twenty fourth of the month, they say, "Hey, this balance is a hundred dollars." And then on the twenty fifth of the month, the account is closed for that thirty day, and I get a bill you know, two weeks later or whatever for that previous 30 days because they closed the 30-day period on the 25th, but they reported the balance on the 24th. So I don't need to let that $100 continue to roll over for another 30 days in order for it to show up on the account. It's already showed up before the bill was even drawn up. So you never have to worry about needing to carry over a balance just so you can have some utilization on your card, okay? So don't do that. All right, another myth. Um, if you want to increase your credit score, you can ask your credit company, credit card company to lower your limits. Again, that may be a way for you to kind of feel like, uh, you're putting more restraint on yourself, but that actually will not increase your credit score more than likely that will dramatically injure your credit score. Because as we talked about last week on the utilization front, you will shrink the amount of available credits you have, which means that you'll be using more of the credit that uh, that you have. And that is a red flag. If you have more than 30, per, if you're using more than 30% of your available credit on your accounts. So don't do that. Um, let's see another myth credit card or credit repair companies can erase all kinds of items. Now, the truth is if you get the right lawyers, yes, you can probably muscle your way and get things off your account. But if it's yours, it's yours. And if it's yours and you use lawyers and you try to manipulate the system to take things off your account, you are now committing fraud. And that is what I believe is a federal offense. You don't want to go down that route. So if it is yours, just try to reconcile it. Don't try to force your way out. And I don't care what they promise you on the radio ads or on TV and stuff like that. If it's yours, leave it there. If they're saying that they can get it off, they're probably using some practices that will probably end up hurting you more than it's helping you. So just stay away from that. Uh, let's see. Another myth is that it takes forever to increase your credit score. Actually, it doesn't. You can actually increase your credit score. Your credit score is always changing from month to month, week to week. It's always changing based on the data that is collected from the three bureaus, right? But it just depends on how much you're trying to increase your score. Good news is if you have a pretty low score, you can probably increase it bigger and faster than somebody that has a high score. Right. So I can do things and I may only get maybe five, six, seven, one, two, three points at a time. But when I was in the, the you know, the, at a 600 credit score, I would get 20 and 30 and 40 point jumps for doing the right thing. So just because you got a low credit score doesn't mean it's going to take forever to get there. Just because you had a foreclosure or a bankruptcy doesn't mean it's going to take forever to get there. Now, bankruptcies and foreclosures, it's going to take a little bit longer than somebody that may have had like a late payment or a bunch of inquiries, but it's not forever. I've seen people, I've seen myself, we've, we went from not even being able to qualify for a house to, you know, uh, getting a house and being able to get a conventional loan with a 5% down payment instead of having to go through the FHA route. Um, and that was just in a matter of a couple of months. So I've done it for myself and I've seen it done in a lot of different places. And we'll talk about the fastest ways, especially if you're looking to buy a house, let's say in the next few months or something like that, I'm going to show the fastest way to increase your scores, the things that concentrate on that'll give you 80% of the results. And we'll talk about that on the webinar. All right, myth and lie. I don't know what number on, but we'll keep going. 
um, that your employers check your credit score. We talked about this before. Your employers don't actually check your credit score. They check your credit. Uh, they check your credit. Boom, 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 boom. I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> they check your credit report. Excuse me. Uh, I had a brain fart there. They check your credit report because they want to see if there's any red lines on there, right? Um, do you owe anybody money? Have you, do you live at the places you said you lived at? Have you worked at the places you said you worked at? Things like that. They're just looking for uh, stuff like that. That's why I say you want to make sure that you check your credit report for errors. 83% of all credit reports out there have errors on them. So chances are you have errors on your credit report and you want to get that taken care of. All right. Myth and lie. Next one. Again, I lost track of the numbers. I'm good uh, because I pay off my credit card every month. Now, this is a slick one, right? Because a lot of people believe that since they pay their card off every month, they're in a good position. Well, it depends, right? If you're one of those people that just puts stuff on your credit card and you hope that enough is going to be on there in the next 30 days when you pay it in full, eventually they will get you especially if you're not paying attention. This could cost you big time because especially on like introductory rates and stuff like that, places you get like at Best Buy, when it'll be like, you know, you get zero interest and all this stuff. And if you do this, you pay in full or if you pay on time, you miss one payment, they'll charge you interest on everything from that from that day all, all backwards, all the way back to the beginning of when you start the account. But you got to be real careful on how you pay your credit cards in full and making sure that you are not going in debt. Right. And that's what a lot of people do. They do go in debt because they don't have the asset to cover the liability before they use the credit. And there it's a subtle difference, very subtle difference, but it can make a huge difference when it comes to the bottom line and how you handle things. So be careful with that is all I'm going to say about that. Um, a couple of questions that I get a lot is where can I go for help? Right. Um, I am not a credit counselor. Um, there are credit counselors out there. There's a lot of good ones. Uh, if you search online, you can find them. If you go through HUD, HUD has a lot of them in, in every neighborhood, uh, in every city, uh, especially where, because you know, they're, HUD is a government organization and then what they're trying to do is get people to get in homes. Right. And one part of being able to get into a home is being able to get your credit right. So a lot of them have free or low cost credit counseling um, that you can get into that can help you with your, uh, your credit issues. Now, like I said, I do have a webinar coming up uh, this week and we'll talk about that. And you can review these past uh, few episodes you can learn enough or a lot to be able to help you get your credit credit score up. But I understand that there are some issues that I'm not going to cover. That I'm not an expert on. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on it um, that may need expert advice. So there's people out there that can do that. But generally, a lot of the stuff you can be can be done by yourself. It just takes some education. All right. So next question. How does being married affect your credit score? Well, if you listen to the last episode, we talked about exactly how your credit score is broken down and nowhere in there does it calculate whether or not you are married. But with that being said, there are some perks to being married and some things you can use and do to help each other with your credit score. And we talked a little bit about this and we'll talk more about how me and my wife did it. But one of the biggest things you could do is piggyback on each other's 
uh, good credit scores, right? So we talked about one of the big things or 30% of your credit score is your available credit limit, right? So if, uh, if the husband has a credit card that has $10,000 credit limit and he, he only has a hundred dollar balance on it. And let's see, the wife could jump on as an authorized user. And then what will happen is she would automatically get credit for that $10,000 of available credit that's on the husband's credit card. Right? So then her utilization will go way down considering, or you know, assuming she doesn't have more than $10,000 in credit card debt or something like that somewhere laying around. But basically you can piggyback on each other's credit limits, which will increase, which will increase your credit limits, which will lower your utilization percentages, which will in then turn increase your credit score and other cool stuff like that. So I uh, hope that's helpful. Let's see. What order should I pay down debt in order to increase my credit score? This is a good question um, because there's a ton of ways to pay down debt, right? So a lot of people talk about uh, you could do like the debt snowball deal uh, where you pay the lowest balance off first just to get some small wins. You can pay the highest interest rate down um, because you'll save more money. I like uh, what it, what's called like the cash flow plan where you play, pay down the one that's most efficient cash flow wise. But when it comes down to paying down your credit card debt for credit score purposes, you pay the one down that has the highest utilization, right? Ultimately, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things because your utilization is counted across the board of all your credit accounts, but that's a good place to start, right? Start with the one that has the highest utilization because if you have a high utilization on one card, it can look like a red flag or can show up as a red flag in some of your scoring modules or some of your scoring algorithms. So if you got a credit card that has, let's say, $800 balance on it and there's a $1,000 limit, but you have another card that has an $800 balance, but it has a $10,000 limit, the one that has a $1,000 limit is the one that's showing an 80% utilization. So pay that one down and that will decrease the utilization overall but it'll also decrease the utilization on that one card and it won't come up as a red flag. Like, you know, like this guy, this card is getting real close to the max. This card is getting real close to the max and uh, lenders and servicers on credit score algorithms don't like to see that. So when it comes to just your credit score in general, that's the only thing you're caring about. Let's say if you want to buy a house pretty soon or something like that, you pay off the one that has the highest utilization first. So that's that. Next question. Uh, this one came through uh, through Facebook. By the way, if you don't like, if you haven't liked our Facebook page, please head over to uh, to the Get Your Money Right Facebook page. Give us a like. The more likes we have, the more favorable Facebook treats us and stuff like that. So we got to get up to like a thousand. I heard to be legit or whatnot, but I don't know. But anyway, if you get a chance, go like us on Facebook. But this question came over. It says, "Is there such thing as having too many credit cards, even if they're in good standing?" as far as the 30% rule. When we talk about the 30% rule, we're talking about the 30% utilization rule. And to be honest with you, there really is no such thing as having like too many cards, right? Now, if you got 100 credit cards, right, and they'll be wondering why in the heck you got all these credit cards, 
Uh, and, you, and to be honest with you, you don't really need that many cards. Uh, if you're using that many cards, you're usually up to no good. So there is no like, there's nothing in the algorithms or in the calculations that I know of that say, hey, you have too many credit cards. Now, there are some that says you have too much available credit based on, you know, let's say your income, so to speak. So that may uh, scare or spook some people. But as far as credit cards, there really won't be, you know, let's say a limit of too many credit cards. You can have too many just because it's hard to manage and it's just probably not in general, not a good idea to have a bunch of dang on credit cards. Um, you can have several, but you know, you know, don't go crazy with it. All right. Uh, let's see. Next question. Uh, when having a credit card at the 30% mark of usage, should you keep it there at 30% or is there a strategy to maximize your, your improvement in credit points? Okay. So should you, should we keep, the utilization at 30%? The answer is no. You want to keep it as far down below 30% as possible. You never want to go over 30% at any given time, uh, not at any given point in the month. So say, for instance, if you have a $1,000 credit limit on your card, you need to say to yourself, I really only have $300 on this card to use. And I have not a dime or a dollar more than over $300 on this card to use. That's the mindset. That's the mentality because that will keep you below that 30%. Uh, because like I said, even if you pay it off in full, the balance is reported before the, the account is closed for the month and the bill is generated. Right? So it's not what you have after the bill is paid. It's what you have during the month of during the month of utilization. Right. So never, ever go over 30 percent at any given point. Next question. Um, what is a good FICO or FACO score? All right. So. If you didn't listen to the last episode, go back and listen to it. Actually, I touched on it the past two episodes about the difference between FICO and FACO scores. Uh, FACO scores are generally stated to be not real scores, but in fact, they are real scores. They're just a score. Um, the three credit bureaus, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion, they got together about 10 years ago, and they decided to come up with their own scoring system. They call it a Vantage score. And so that's what you hear when you hear people say FICO versus FACO score. They're talking about the Vantage score. The Vantage score is a real score. It was put together by the three major credit bureaus and even thought to say or even said to be even more accurate than the FICO. The FICO is just uh, has clients, 90 percent of the financial uh, industry, uh, supposedly, according to FICO, uses FICO as some form of fashion as far as how they do business with them. But anyway, so what are good? you know, scores out. What are the ranges of the scores? So when it comes to FICO, FICO goes, they both go from 350 to 850, right? And how to determine whether it's good or not. I went over to uh, the FICO uh, website and, and saw what the ranges are. So basically anything 579 and lower is considered a poor FICO score, right? It, it, this is, um, uh, they also say that about 61% of all consumers have a credit score that's below 579. So if you have a score that's below 579, don't worry about it. You're not some lone wolf. 61% of all consumers have a credit score that's under 579. Then there's 580 to 669. This is considered to be a fair score. Um, and then there's 670 to 739 is considered to be a good score. 
and they call this a median score range, right? And they say that approximately 8% of all consumers have a score between 670 and 739. And then 740 to 799 is very good. And they say about 2% of consumers have a score between 740 and 799. And then 800 plus per FICO is considered exceptional, right? So about 1% of consumers have a credit score that's 800 plus. Um, and so I'm going to teach you how to get past 750, right? Well, we're going to do it, right? We're going to get ourselves in that top 2%. Um, as far as the Vantage score is concerned, I went over to the experience site and looked at how they determined it. And the Vantage score is again from three or 300 to 850. And basically, excuse me, basically anything, uh, below 499 is what they consider a deep subprime. Uh, 500 to 600 is a subprime 601 to 660 is near prime 661 to 780 is prime and then 781 to 850 they consider uh super prime so when you hear all this stuff we're talking about uh subprime mortgages and stuff like that 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 caused the the housing market issues back in 2007 2008 2009 they're referring to people who had subprime credit scores and they weren't the prime borrowers. And so they knew that these people didn't have a very good track record of, uh, or they didn't have any track record at all of dealing with credit and debt. So when they got their houses, they weren't able to handle uh, the the payments and stuff like that. So that's what you get when you hear things like the subprime mortgage or some subprime credit, things like that. It's basically saying that it's not the prime stuff that it is not the prime rib. You know what I mean? It's not the best of the best. Um, and it's below that. So those are what's considered to be good scores, you know, it, as far as that's concerned. Um, so you can determine where you're at and where you want to be. And again, this is only important to you. Um, if you're looking to, you know, say get a mortgage in the next several months or something like that. Um, if you're not planning on doing that for another few years or, or something like that, then don't sweat where you are and don't beat on your chest if you're real high or whatnot, but you want to get a plan in place to make sure you stay, you, you, you gradually go up and that you stay up there. And, and that's what I'm all about is being able to sustain, uh, not only uh, just a good overall financial health and credit, but just good overall just well-being, so to speak. Right. So let's see. We're 38 minutes into this thing. Let's call that quits. Right. Um, I hope that was helpful. Again, if you have any questions, you can get them in before the the webinar begins. If you can't make it to the webinar, you can shoot me over any questions you may have, and I'll make sure that I'll add them into the webinar if you can't make it. And so when you watch the replay, um, you'll be able to see that your question is answered in regards to credit scores. Now, those of you who are live, we'll just kind of play by ear. You, you can ask questions. It won't necessarily have to even be about credit and I'm going to stay on for a little while to hang out with you all. We'll have a good conversation. Um, so it should be fun. But if you cannot make it to the webinar Thursday at 8 p.m. Central Time and you have questions about credit, about your particular situation or about credit in general, send me the questions before Thursday and I'll throw them into uh, make sure I get them answered in the webinar and you'll be able to watch the replay when it's done. Now, you have to register in order to get the replay. I will allow the replay to uh, people who are already in the Misfits, 
who are already in a Misfits membership. Uh, I'll just you'll you'll have that replay regardless of whether or not you register for the webinar. But I want all Misfits there because uh, I want to I want you guys to, to be in there and be interactive and let's chit chat, let's talk, let's, let's answer each other's questions. Let's start getting this money game together together as a group. And I also want you to hear about our upcoming program on marriage and money, because I'm super excited about that. Cause I, you know, I I'm looking to create some success stories, right? That's how hard I'm looking to work for you. I'm looking to create some success stories so we can take this message and get on other platforms and have some proof, have some social proof that what we're doing is making a difference and that it actually works. I know it works because I helped several friends and I've helped myself. Now I need to help more friends and need to actually document the stuff because I wasn't really smart enough in the past to to think that I'd be doing this today that I documented my quote unquote success stories or anything like that. So I need to make some new ones. So anybody who want to be a success story, come on. Y'all make sure you go over register at yourmoneyright.com forward slash score 750. And if you have not joined the Misfits, become a Misfit, get started on the roadmap to getting your money right. Because the sooner you start, the better, right? They say, when's the best time to plant a tree? It's 30 years ago. The next best time is today. So get your roots set, get started, and you will see the fruit come out. If you just make sure you get yourself started. So again, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to meeting y'all and seeing everybody on the webinar. Tell your friends, tell your mama, tell your uncle. Don't hold this information back, right? Don't be stingy with it. If you know people out there that got low credit scores, I just read off to you that 61% of consumers have subprime or low credit scores. So I know. So let's get out there. Let's share this message. Let's help people. Let's get moving. And that's the way we move up in the world. That's the way we get out of we we, we get out of being stuck in certain neighborhoods or certain st- apartment complexes if we can get our credit scores up and get to the next level along with our income get our cash up get our iqs up we're gonna do all right when we start starting businesses investing in each other and growing as a group so i'm super excited about that again thank you so much for listening thank you so much for tuning in i really do appreciate you i love you and god bless Talking about money, 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 money,